Welcome to the show. My name is MJ and this is Transcending Into Tech. everyone. Welcome to our second podcast episode of Transcending Into Tech. Today I want to present you with a very intriguing topic that has caused decisive uh, opinions in the scientific and medical community. It's biohacking. Trust me on this one, it's as interesting as it sounds. And before you ask, no, it's not actually hacking as in computer hacking, although it's not totally far off. Biohacking is known as do-it-yourself biology. It's like putting small or incremental lifestyle changes to make improvements to your health. Don't let the name of this fantastic branch of biology fool you as it's all done with the overall goal of actually enhancing or improving your higher well-being and and health. Now, biohacking promises anything from quick weight loss to enhanced brain functions. However, the best type of biohacking is understanding how biohacking works. That means understanding what works for your body, what can benefit, and what can damage it. There are a wide variety of practices and procedures in biohacking, as with many other communities. Biohackers have created makerspaces to reflect the needs and interests of the community. A notorious example is the MIT DIY Bio, a Boston-based student-run club on MIT. You can even find online pages that detect biomakerspaces near you, providing you with a pointer on what to find in your neighborhood. The first biohacker makerspace to be founded was GeneSpace, and they were based in Brooklyn, New York. With the rising popularity of biohacking, more spaces began to sprout around the country and in different parts of the world. If we're going to look at different types of or examples of biohacking, uh, you'd be quite surprised at one really interesting type of biohacking that people seem to not really think is biohacking, and that's nutrition. Believe it or not, your nutrition regimen is a form of biohacking. And the reason why is simple, because when you're hacking into your quote-unquote diet, your genes are actually being changed, or you're actually changing your genes towards certain outcomes. For example, if I'm predisposed or I'm genetically predisposed to a specific set of diseases or a certain disease in particular, I might actually have the ability to actually reduce the risk of developing them once I actually focus on looking at my diet intake, okay? Because it's through nutrition that you actually get those cellular uh, changes that happen and and ultimately you'll be actually affecting the genetic structure of your body. So a lot of people don't realize this, but your diets, your nutritional value system, whatever it is, is a form of biohacking. So the concept of us reinventing parts of our systems and our bodies for the ultimate benefit of ourselves really uh, isn't far-fetched from uh, you know what we were talking about the more extreme cases of biohacking which we'll discuss in more detail though and while I say that all you know with the a lot of common sense applied to what I was actually saying the science behind it can be dodgy as well so there's a lot of work that's still being formulated behind the actual changes that are actually being experienced in the genetic or cellular level 
I mean, it's obvious to show the cellular changes that would happen because of a, of a diet, but the actual genetic implications uh, in certain cases are very clear. In certain cases, it's not. It's worth looking at it. It's pretty much an interesting developing area of science. One very interesting point as well is looking at things like Soylent. Believe it or not, there's a drinkable meal, right, called Soylent. Now, I'm not going to bring up the uh, the old Charlton Heston movie, Soylent Green. I think that was what it was called. Um, but that product, the actual Soylent drinkable meal, was actually developed as a form of biohacking. Okay, so that's quite interesting. In fact, you can go to our notes and actually read up on that in more details. Another point with biohacking, apart from nutrition, another version of this would be time in nature. Yes, believe it or not. Time in nature is also a form of biohacking. When I say that, what I'm basically saying is spending time outdoors has a myriad uh, levels of, of health benefits. You know, simply just getting fresh air and walking barefoot to the ground and walking amongst nature and wildlife can actually be uh, be able to improve and enhance various cognitive areas of your body as long along obviously with your mental health and well-being and obviously inadvertently or directly impacting other areas of your body such as your skin it's also noticeable to as well know that the more in tune you are with yourself by removing unnecessary noises you're actually in a in some way or shape or form actually biohacking into your setup so that you can actually impact maybe cognitive behavioral traits of your brain in in and actually try to see some of the more beneficial parts of it such as you know um, clearer thinking clearer conceptualization etc so it's not it's not too far-fetched as well to say that you know your very your, your very presence in a nature setting can actually help your health as well another interesting point sleep this is probably the most basic form of biohacking from the day you're born. Regular, plentiful sleep actually hacks your biology, all right, and brings you to the optimal state that you actually need to be. I'm not going to quote any, there's, there's countless studies, right, that talks about the benefits of sleep, but in fact, you sleeping every day is actual repair that's actually happening to various parts of your body, and that in itself can be considered biohacking. Now, of course, with that being said, you know, you want to do things that actually does not hinder sleep. You know, a good example of this is probably reducing screen time, you know, because that actually helps lessen the disruptions of, of, of some of your uh, circadian uh, rhythms and obviously provides, you know, better health benefits. So there's a lot of studies on that as well. Don't need to go into that in much more detail because it's actually stating the obvious. A more natural biohacking mechanism as well, and again, goes without saying, exercise right increasing the blood flow to your vital organs throughout your body is tremendously important whether you are doing it through a simple walk or a specific regiment in exercising there is no doubt that exercising is probably your best tool to biohack into actually getting a healthier and more fit uh, body and with that being said of course it's worth noting that there's a lot of studies that actually prove to the point that you're actually in fact slowing the bit of the aging process as well so a lot of people who actually want to go into a more longer and let's say more pleasant living condition down the line and with all the facts and figures thrown at them it'd be foolish not to consider exercise as actually your most important AM tool in your arsenal of actually improving your health also considering uh, fasting as part of your program 
fasting in cycles can cause uh, ketosis, which has been shown to enhance and boost in metabolism, as well as, you know, burning fat and uh, enhancing and feeding your brain with the actual good sugars that it actually requires. So that's also part and parcel of the whole mix if you wanted to actually have a really decent exercise biohacking mechanism in your body that actually is further strengthening you and your, your entire set. And in our next segment, we'll be talking about alternative kinds of biohacking and the ones that are a lot more extreme. Stay tuned and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. And looking at different types of alternatives when it comes to biohacking, there are some really extreme versions of it. An example of this is Grinder. I'm not going to talk about the app, so let's just throw that out there. It's not the app, so take that out of your head. But what we're talking about is extreme body modification. This is actually when people will actually take or input pieces of technology into their actual organs or body parts to enhance certain aspects of their body in order to provide them with better enablement of whatever they seek to have as part of their own very own biology, which is quite interesting. Examples of this range, so you can have magnetic devices, NFC chips implanted to uh, to fingertips so that they can interact with wireless devices. You can also have actual headphone Bluetooth uh, enabled uh, devices implanted into the very own ear. And through vibration, obviously, an individual would be actually able to hear rather than actually use an external device. Those are some extreme examples. But it's worth noting that biohacking isn't really uh, new in the sense that we've been actually doing it for quite some time. One of the biggest uh, you know, achievements in the sciences really was with the enablement of actually creating pacemaker devices to enable to monitor and actually provide jolts of uh, micro or uh, currents, if you will, to an actual heart in the event that the heart pulse is not beating to the tune that it should be beating. So it's not to say that this is completely uh, new. It's actually around in different select cases, but the extreme the, the extremeness of some of the implementations is, is, is quite mind-boggling, in fact. And it's actually interesting to see how that happens, especially given the fact that, you know, the human body tissues don't necessarily do well with taking in external um, anything, really. And you, you always tend to get a situation where your antibodies or your immune system start to attack itself for certain things. Uh, another key area that's been in the development has been tested for quite some time and seems to be the more likely of many technologies out there that could actually potentially be a part of our day-to-day norms is biochips, you know. And the reason why you would want biochips in your body is because you'd have the enablement or the ability to have a system built into you in order for you to be able to monitor vital signs in your own body. Another interesting development is with the ability for lights to boost collagen generation on the skin. And this is actually a good thing because, you know, you'd actually be able to reduce wrinkles, rough skin, and overall aging, okay? And that's something that's quite interesting. There's been quite a few studies actually showing the effectiveness of infrared light on your skin, of course. And of particular note, the study had been performed by various scientists, uh, in particular based in South Korea in 2006, where they were able to treat 20 patients from mild to moderate facial uh, skin uh, wrinkles and were able to provide them with a daily dose of a somewhat 
interesting set of infrared radiation for six months, of during which the the results sets actually had shown some quite unique changes uh, every four weeks. Now we'll put up that study up there for you guys to decide, but it's quite interesting to see the, rela- the, the, the relation between collagen and elastin producing the skin with, uh, the, with the concept of infrared radiation as well. After the six months, of course, all the patients reported good improvements on their skin texture and tone, so this could be one really useful area that a lot of people, especially in the beauty market, probably uh, would be very interested in and probably are watching and, and following quite uh, intensely. Relating to our earlier discussion about nutrition, one interesting biohack is intense vitamin regimen. Okay, This is when we actually use a various set of supplements and foods that are genuinely riped with specific vitamins in order for our body to actually achieve healthier goals. And there's a lot of people currently right now using vitamin regimens of different kinds for certain cases at the moment. You know, obviously when you're having certain cases like anemic uh, diseases or you have a disease that has actually a nutrient supplement that's that's less lacking, right? Uh, it's actually uh, important to actually look at potentially biohacking your way by helping yourself with certain, certain conditions like osteoporosis, for example. Others might actually look at taking the vitamin regimen approach as an attempt to actually feel better or fix a poor quality diet. Actually, you're trying to expedite or maybe create a little shortcut into achieving a certain health status because of a poor existing health situation that you might be experiencing. Lots of data going around on that. Of course, in this area, there's a lot to be cautious about because not every single body looks like the other body, right? I mean, we're all different and our compositions of our different body parts uh, vary from place to place with pre-existing conditions thrown in as additional variables and factors that can actually throw off things. But it's an interesting area to actually keep an eye out on. And we've seen quite a few interesting scientific opinions as well. Some of the biohacks we've mentioned have scientific evidence to back them up. For example, sleep, spending time with nature, exercising, using infrared light, and even intense vitamin regimens have all studies that actually prove there are certain key goals to come up with. However, with that being in there in the picture, right, it's very easy for some certain studies to be taken and actually used for, you know, somewhat exploitative purposes. And you can see that with some of the newer, more fad diets that are actually being pushed out in the foray with that. While saying that, scientists will always warn against the actual extreme methods used in some of the biohacking techniques we were just talking about today. In particular, when we talk about the grinder set of biohacks. Many companies are actively working to provide us with safe technology that could be implemented on our bodies one day. You've been already seeing this with certain things like wearable tech, which is actually, in some cases, actually a part of an integration to our bodies. Others would be basically looking at things like that are currently on the the development stage, right? Elon Musk's Neuralink, for example, which might be passing sometime soon, is another great example of this. Neuralink has developed a custom chip that is able to read, clean up, and amplify signals from the brain. And at the moment, can only currently transmit data via some wired uh, connectivity point, usually through USB-C. But ultimately, the goal is to create a system that can work wirelessly. That wireless goal could be embodied into a product that Neuralink 
is actually calling the N1 sensor, designed to be embedded within the human body and to be able to transmit data wirelessly. And in our final segment, I'll share some of my observations on trends and even predict a few things from today's topic. So please stay tuned for the final stretch. And welcome back to our final segment. Now, speaking and mentioning everything that we've already said today, it's very clear that scientists are going to start and continue to support biohacking in some way, shape, or form. Although we're still a little bit away from any of the radical forms of biohacking that would actually be potentially a part of the day-to-day norms in the up-and-coming future. While that being said, of course, professionals will continue to warn about the more extreme methods that are being done mostly in the context of lack of centralized, standardized approach in the DIY biology community. There is a risk of injury, infection, and in some crazy cases, death. So it's not something that we should be taking very very lightly, let's just put it this way. But with that being said, of course, there is a lot to come in the future in the ways of wellness and wearable tech. You know, we have been talking about the Apple Watch, for example, and other wearable technology for quite some time and how it's already integrated into our bodies. So it's not going to be any surprise right now that the future of medicine, for example, is going to be more of a preventative than a reactive form of medicine. Biohacking may help unburden a lot of the stuff that we actually see today within the community, actually medical community, by helping people maximize their genetics, improving their peak physical health, and ultimately prolonging their lives, which is actually a plus if you ask me. Now, some biohacking tech will still be able to also help professionals save lives too. It's not just simply being more preventative, but actual on-site timely information and analysis, probably even in the form of micro or molecular versions of these wearable texts that we have floating in within either the uh, the, the nervous system or uh, blood system uh, can in fact provide some very interesting insights for people. And that's something that we shouldn't be taking lightly at all. Keep in mind that biohacking exists in the more natural state of things, right? We've talked about nutrition, time in nature, sleep and exercise. Those four things themselves have a profound impact to your genetic and biological structure. And with that, we've reached to the end of today's episode. I've certainly had a great time researching and gathering the information for today's show. If you liked our show, please do share with your friends and subscribe to our podcast. We're available in pretty much all of the other directories that you can find podcasts in. You can find us also on Instagram and Twitter. I personally would love to interact with your comments and any additional views or feedback regarding today's episode, or if you have ideas for future episodes. And don't forget to check our webpage at www.transtech.xyz. That is T-R-A-N-S-T-E-C-H dot X-Y-Z. You can also find us by typing in Transcending Into Tech via any of your favorite podcast apps for future episodes. So until next time, this is MJ signing off, and I'll see you soon on Transcending Into Tech.